This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Obedience. It's such a simple concept. Obey the Lord and you will be blessed. Obedience to the commands of Jesus shows that you love him, according to John 14, 15. Moses told the people of Israel all they had to do was obey the covenant God made with Israel. Obey the commands as written down in the law and the people would be blessed. Go read Deuteronomy 11 where Moses lays it out. If you obey the Lord, if you keep the covenant, you will be blessed. It's that simple. But it's also that hard. And the story of Israel screams that loud and clear. And the story of 2 Kings, we see over and over again an example of what happens when you disobey God and how hard it is or how hard it was for the people of Israel to obey God. But Deuteronomy 11 also says if you disobey God, you're going to be cursed, Israel. So obey God and and you will get blessing after blessing. Why not do that, Israel? Well, we know it, right? We know how hard it is. Well, in today's story, we're going to look at how hard that was. And in particular, we're going to look at two different nations who had two choices, northern Israel and southern Israel. And we're going to see the results of one group of people who decided to obey and one group of people who decided to disobey. Well, at this point, there are two different nations in Israel, one known as Judah or southern Israel and one known as northern Israel. Northern Israel was made up of 10 tribes of Israel, while southern Israel was made up of the other two tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin. 
Southern Israel was beginning to slide away from Yahweh worship, but there was still a glimmer of hope. As they had kings who wanted to serve the Lord, who tried to lead the people in the worship of Yahweh. But as it was repeatedly said in the book of 2 Kings, in the book of 2 Chronicles, the kings of Judah, they obeyed the Lord, but not completely. Some of them did, and we're going to meet one today who did, but a lot of them also, they let the people keep worshiping other gods. And many of the kings of southern Israel didn't tear down the high places, the altars where these, the places where these altars were set up to worship these other deities. They themselves wanted to worship God, but they didn't stop it in other places. They had a heart to obey him, but not completely. But at least they had a heart to obey him. I'll give him that. Because northern Israel, that was another story entirely. They went from bad to worse and then to just plain pagan. They had king after king who sought to worship other gods, who led the people to worship Baal and Asherah and Molech and, and other gods who were the rivals of Yahweh. Time and time again, they led them in worship of the gods who rivaled Yahweh. And they were supposed to worship Yahweh. But you know what's beautiful? Is Yahweh defeated these other gods time and time again. And Yahweh showed these other gods to be utterly useless and impotent in the path of almighty Yahweh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yet, the kings of northern Israel continued their rejection of Yahweh as their God, and in spite of all the evidence, they still led the people to worship these other useless rival gods. It makes no sense. So in the story of the two kingdoms within Israel, we're at the point in the story when we have Uzziah and Jeroboam II on the throne. Uzziah was the king of southern Israel, and Jeroboam II was the king of northern Israel. And the Lord was blessing them to such an extent that between the two leaders, Israel's combined territories approximated the amount of territory they had under David and his son Solomon. I mean, wow, that's pretty impressive. Now, Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord at first. While Jeroboam II, he continually did evil according to the witness of Scripture. But it's interesting, God blessed both with more and more territory. And one of the reasons he blessed Jeroboam II, even though Jeroboam II did evil, was because he saw the miserable plight of the people. 2 Kings 14 verses 26 through 27 say this, For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter for both slaves and free people. There was no one to help Israel. The Lord had said he would not blot out the name of Israel under heaven, so he delivered them by the hand of Jeroboam the second. 
He deliberately chose to deliver Israel because of the promises he made, because of the plight of the people and how miserable their lives were. You know, I just want to say, God is a merciful God. I mean, the Bible says God is love. And his treatment of Israel right here shows that profound truth that God loves you and will keep the promises he has made to you. Even though the people were loving and serving other gods, he still blessed them. Why? Because of his great love for his people. Man, I hope that if life is discouraging and getting you down right now, if you know the Lord is your Savior, I want you to hang on to and don't forget this truth. That God loves you. Despite your failings and despite your feelings and despite the circumstances, I want you to know that God also is blessing you and he loves you. Hang on to that truth. Well, in southern Israel, Uzziah, do you remember the last story, had let his pride get in the way and he defied God by trying to do something in the worship of God that he was not allowed to do. And it was a major transgression that led to Uzziah being struck with leprosy for the rest of his life and for the rest of his reign. So for the last years of his rule, his son Jotham co-reigned with him. So that's happening in southern Israel. Well, in northern Israel, as I said, things are going from bad to worst, or as I like to say, from evil to even more eviler. I mean, things were about to go down the tubes fast. So Jeroboam II dies, and then his son Zechariah becomes king. Now, Jeroboam had reigned for 41 years. Now, that's a long time. And like I said, under his rulership, God had blessed the people despite themselves and had expanded the territory of northern Israel. You know, it's also interesting here in 2 Kings, a prophet named Jonah comes and prophesies that God is going to use Jeroboam to expand the land of Israel. Jonah before he gets swallowed by the whale, is mentioned here in Scripture. I just think that's so cool. Jonah was prophesying before his great whale experience. But apart from the blessing of land expansion and, and the blessing of having a wonderful prophet like Jonah, Jeroboam II, he led his people down a spiral of evil. Well, after 41 years, Jeroboam II dies, leaving Zechariah, his son, as king. And now this is where the spin the wheel of bad leaders begins. I mean, you think things are bad under Jeroboam II? Well, things are about to go bad and really bad fast. So Zechariah becomes king and he does evil in the eyes of the Lord and he reigns for six months. I mean, that's it. Six months before he gets assassinated by a guy named Shalem. Shalem then becomes king and he reigns for one month. That's it. One month before he gets assassinated by the commander-in-chief of his army, a guy named Menahem. And Menahem 
once he becomes king, then becomes brutal. And in fact, he attacks one of the cities who wasn't supporting him as king. And it says in the Bible that he killed the pregnant women and all the children there. They killed them too. If you kill the babies and their mothers, then there is no future for that city or that culture. And that's how vindictive and evil Menahem was. Well, Menahem, or Menahem, reigns for 10 years, which is a pretty long time by the standards of the day. Remember, six months and one month. But he continued the evil slide of northern Israel into apostasy and far, far away from God. Well, to bring him back, God sends an Assyrian king named Pul, P-U-L, Pul. He attacks Israel, and, and it's such a big attack, he, he threatens to overrun the country. The Assyrians were from an area of Persia, what we call today Iran, Iraq, and their capital was Babylon. Later on, they're going to come in and totally wipe out northern Israel and take many of the people captive back to Babylon. But for now, Menahem is able to buy King Pull off, and the rest of the world knows King Pull by a bigger name. Tiglath Pilaser III. That's what he's known as to the rest of the world. But in the Hebrew Bible, he's King Pull, and it's way easier to say than Tiglath Pilaser III. Well, anyway, King Pull, he gets paid off by King Menahem. And he says, hey, if I give you a lot of money, will you back off? And King Pull says, sure. So Menahem gives Pull a thousand talents of silver, which roughly comes to 75,000 pounds of silver, which roughly comes to 37 tons of silver, which roughly comes to, in today's money, $26 million. Think about that. Menahim pays him off with what would be equivalent today of millions and millions of dollars. Now, how does he come up with this? Well, he comes up with this money by taxing prominent, wealthy individuals in the country. And guess what? When you do that, that does not make you a popular ruler. And in fact, the only way he ends up staying in power is by then asking King Pole to come back and to keep the people of Israel under Menahem's control. He he pays Pull off so he won't come and invade his country. But then he says, oh, could you come back and oppress the very people I asked you not to invade so I can be their king? It's insane. Well, Menahem dies. And he's succeeded by his son, Pekahiah. Now, Pekahiah... He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He continued that whole moral degradation, that whole slide into evilness. And he reigns for two years and then is assassinated by one of his military commanders, Pika, who takes a gang of 50 men. And it seems like he's reigning in his own kingdom in exile outside of Israel. Well, he takes 50 men, comes into Israel, and he finds Pekahiah in the strongest part of the palace, the stronghold, bursts in the palace, gets all the way. I mean, Pekahiah should be safe in the stronghold. Well, not from Pekah. 
And he finds him there. And Pika kills Pikahaya. And Pika is now king. And he continues to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now the Bible says he reigned for 20 years. But it seems that he reigned in Samaria during the reigns of Menahem and Pekahiah. And like I said, he was sort of in exile looking for a way to come back. So for all these numbers to work, that 20-year reign of Pekah had to have occurred while Menahem and Pekahiah were also king. So when Pekah saw the change in power from Menahem to Pekahiah, and then the prominent men are probably still angry about the recent taxation, Pekah saw his chance to come back to northern Israel and to take power. So overall, he reigns for 20 years, and then guess what? He's assassinated by a guy named Hoshea, who then establishes himself as king. Wow, what a ride down the slippery slope of leader catastrophe. One bad leader after another bad leader. One assassination after another assassination. And all the time, the people could have seen, hey, you know what? This might be a judgment from God. We need to come back to God. But instead, they chose to keep pursuing these other gods. The prophet Amos and the prophet Hosea were prophets during Jeroboam II's reign. And, and, and Amos says of these people at this time that God says of them, For I know your crimes are many and your sins innumerable. They oppress the righteous, take a bribe, and deprive the poor of justice at the city gates. Therefore, those who have insight will keep silent at such a time, for the days are evil. Pursue good and not evil, so that you may live, and the Lord, the God of armies, will be with you as you have claimed. Hate evil and love good. Establish justice at the city gates. Perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Amos chapter 5. I mean, that's what it was like. They loved evil. And they hated good. They deprived the poor of justice. Their sins and crimes were innumerable. And their leaders led in it. And guess what? Their culture suffered for it. And the kings were being assassinated left and right. It was chaos. Chaos in northern Israel. But all the while this is happening in northern Israel... Another king reigns in southern Israel. A king of a completely different stripe. There's hope here, people. And his name is King Jotham. Now, he is the son of King Uzziah. And like I said, he co-reigns with his dad while his dad suffered with leprosy and had to be removed from working in the palace, right? They had to quarantine him. They had to get him out of the palace. But he sort of reigned, so in his stead ruled his son, and he came to co-regent power at the age of 25. Now, in total, 
Jotham ends up ruling for 16 years. So he reigns with his dad a little bit, then his dad dies, and then it's all King Jotham. Now the Bible doesn't really go into all his exploits. He did a lot of good things. He rebuilt some stuff and he did expand some stuff, but he didn't do a lot in terms of winning wars or expanding Israel's southern territory. But something wonderful is said of him. And it's something I hope it's said of me at the end of my days. Second Chronicles 27 verse 6, it says this, Jotham strengthened his position because he did not waver in obeying the Lord his God. Jotham became king during a very chaotic time, and he strengthened his position, right? People could have tried to assassinate him. People could have tried to take the throne from him. People might have tried to muscle their way in, but God blessed him and watched out for him and took care of him. Why? Because Jotham did not waver in obeying the Lord his God. Jotham simply obeyed the Lord. He did what was right. He did not waver. Another translation says he ordered his ways before the Lord. So while northern Israel went through king after king, went through evil leader after evil leader, while they had kings who gave up on worshiping Yahweh and pursued all sorts of other gods, southern Israel had two kings in that time period. Uzziah and his son Jotham. And they both had great success. But in particular, it is said of Jotham, he was successful because he obeyed the word of the Lord. He ordered his life after the word of the Lord. He simply obeyed. You know, I, I know this is a truth that seems to come back again and again when we go through these stories in the Old Testament, and it's that of obedience. Jotham was successful because he ordered his life after what he knew Yahweh wanted from him. Based on his reading of the Torah and the covenant Yahweh made with Israel, Jotham knew what was expected of him, and he was obedient to the light he had and the truth he knew. The Lord blessed him for it. I hope and pray that you and I can be like Jotham. I hope and pray we are not like Pekah and all the other kings of Israel that were assassinated and that led to cultural chaos. I hope instead that when you're tempted to sin and when you're tempted to give up on God and when you're tempted to run away from following the Lord and just do your own thing, when you're tempted at that moment, which, man, I feel like I am tempted a lot lately to just give up on obedience. It can be difficult. It is not always easy. But next time I face that, I need to stop and think of Jotham. And I need to stop and think of 2 Chronicles 27, verse 6, and memorize that verse to heart. 
that Jotham strengthened his position because he did not waver in obeying the Lord his God. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.